morning, good morning, good morning. <laughs> what was that? That's how you say it. I just said That's it. That's how you say it. We're going back and forth on like who's going to do the introduction. Go ahead, though, baby. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Screaming at people, they're like, "What?" That's the this is how thing. you do it. You go like this. <laughs> good morning, good morning, good morning, and thing. welcome to Coffee and Tequila. It's a late show on Mondays and a early show on Fridays. It's a morning show on Mondays and a late show on Fridays. Good morning, everybody. April eleventh. My name is Zach, <laughs> and I'm Alistair. <laughs> we do have a great show for you today. We, we have put a lot of work into this. Obviously, not a lot of work into our introduction. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day we're gonna get it. One day. Um, just really quick before we start, though, I want to I want to let everybody know that we have appreciated all the support up until now. Like we last week was our first full week back into coffee and tequila, and and and. and We've gotten so many great responses from a lot of you guys, um, from DMs to comments to just support people watching the video, some people asking how they can support. And the best way that you can support this show, the most important ways, is to rate us on Apple and Spotify. Or if you're listening to us, leave a review, uh, make sure to share the episode. If you're watching us, leave a comment, like it. Uh, Tell us what you like. Yeah. And yeah. share it with people who you think that would love it. Sharing it is, is also very important, too. So if you if you like the episode and you think somebody else you know might like it as well, then go ahead and share it. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as always, this episode is kindly being sponsored by Helix Sleep, and we'll let you know a little bit more about it a little bit later in the episode. When has there ever not been a time that... They're trying to pass legislation against the gays. What are the gays? So, why are the gays so dangerous? In the mid-century, <laughs> mid-century anti-queerness, I think they said, what did they say? Congress said that um, that homosexuals and communists were of equal danger. <laughs> it, was, it, it, it was them. So it was like this whole new freaking term called McCarthyism, started by Senator McCarthy back then. And basically, after World War II, he wanted to, you know, the whole Red Scare was happening. Yeah. And uh, along with the Red Scare, people were scared of the gays. They were very scared of the gays. The gays were terrifying. The gays would come to your back door at night and just stare through. And if you left your door unlocked, you would wake up and a gay would be in your house. Oh, and that's not something you wanted. Mm-mm. Careful. Careful. Well, they, they made them equivalent of child molesters, basically. Uh, basically, basically. Basically made them equivalent of child molesters. What is the molesters. quote that you sent me? You sent me a quote. I have Yes. One. Um... During the 1950s, McCarthyism uh, resulted in state and nationwide witch hunts of male homosexuals in which acts of oral and anal sex between consenting adult men were uh, counted as child or treated the same as child molestation. And, like, and, what, what What was, oh my gosh, what was the, like, witch hunt about anal sex? Well, anal and oral sex. And mm. keep in mind, at this point, there were sodomy laws yeah. across the United States. Every state had sodomy laws. Over time, of course, those have been struck down. I feel like not fast enough. I feel like there's a lot of things that, like, there's a bunch of laws out there that are, make no sense while they're still in effect. I think lynching was just deemed uh, well, a the, crime now. I, and there's, like, weird, I mean, there's always these weird laws that just stay in effect for no reason. I think in, like... It's either Austin or San Antonio. You can, like, kill a man if he steals your horse or something like that. I don't know. There's one state where uh, these could all be bullshit, too. It was probably on the back of a Popsicle stick, I remember, or something. <laughs> that, that, like, having an ice cream cone or an ice cream sandwich in your back pocket was illegal in one state or one town or something. I don't know. There, there, there was a, a lot of espionage in terms of how you could, you know, interact with gay people in the mm-hmm. gay community. And they also had a lot of code, code, code words. So I found out that Rock Is Hudson— it musicals? 
Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I, did. <laughs> I, 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 I found out that Rock Hudson and his group used uh, musical as a code word for gay. Yeah, you know. That's oh, is so he musical? Funny. Is he? Like, they, the gays had to get creative, man. They had to get creative. But you know, we're still seeing some of this. Is is it's? It may not be this extreme, but it's it's gonna get there. Listen. If it goes unchecked and people like Marjorie Taylor Greene keep going, did you see what she said about Pete Buttigieg? She said I that Pete and Chastain basically are like, she said something in her, her speech to, she was doing um, some speech and she said that they keep Pete and Chastain out of our girls' bathrooms. They keep trying to get into the girls' bathrooms and there's this narrative being painted that like gays are some perverts who were trying to like, you know, get to your kids, hide your kids, hide your wife. It's, it's like that whole thing. <laughs> I just, I just, I just have a mental image of Major Taylor Green walking into a bathroom and Pete going, "Boo!" That's <laughs> what so she's terrified of. She's terrified of finding Pete Buttigieg in the hey, bathroom. It's so subversives. <laughs> let me tell you, those subversives. Yeah, um, we they're read, breaking down our family and <laughs> prosperity. One of the best books I read, kind of about this time period, about the like mid-century queerness, is, is Evelyn Hugo. Yes, love this book. Love Evelyn Hugo. If you have not read it yet, that's one of my favorite books. Ever. It has to be like top five. For and me. I, I will take complete and total credit for getting you to read, read the book. <laughs> if you didn't know, uh, Evelyn Hugo, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo was picked up and was go- going to freeform yeah. as a show. That and scared me. It scared me so much. I didn't want it to be a, like a, a, an ABC Family freeform. Yes, no, this is not Make It or Break little, It or Secret Life of the American Teenager. It would have looked like Secret Life of the American <laughs> Teenager. It would have, I don't know. It's moved to Netflix, though, now. It's it a show or a movie now? It's, uh, I believe... I, I, I think it's a movie. Pretty sure it's a movie. Well, it's being adapted by the same woman who adapted... Oh, I literally pulled it up. Liz Tigliar, who adapted The Little Fires Everywhere. I think that was one of Reese Witherspoon's. I wonder if Reese Witherspoon had a hand in the Evelyn Hugo. I know she does with Daisy, Daisy and Daisy Jones. D- Daisy and Jones and the Six. I, I know she does, but yeah. I don't know about this one. Which I'm sorry, I've read both. Evelyn Hugo is mm-hmm. definitely superior. Not to pit books against books. I want an Evelyn Hugo story. Evelyn Hugo and uh, the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. But I want that for the gays. I need boys. I want to see boys. Well, there are and, some boys in this. Well, yes. So this is why we kind of covered this is because it's similar-ish. It's yes. like has to deal with the same time period, um, same sort of themes, same dangers. Same, same like secrecy that you have to do, marriages for convenience. We don't get this longer in romance, though. It's going to be a little bit shorter. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so we're definitely shipping. Yeah. <laughs> Something that... We are shipping. I texted Alistair <laughs> last night. We were talking about it. I was at the gym, and um, I was texting him, and he was in the bathtub. And uh, I said, I'm definitely shipping a couple of dead guys. And, and I didn't get it because I just texted him about... Uh, true romance because we watched it the other day oh, and it, really it, it was like I was also one of the gay trends. version of that one that would be good I would love a gay version I don't know. of true romance kind of violent it's, it might be add to that per, perv situation and it will be a future film mm-hmm. by the way so it'll be a future film so I'm excited about that get ready for us to go crazy we're gonna oh be, yeah we're gonna be fanboying hard about this about it. coming up tab hunter and tony perkins a hollywood forbidden romance we're gonna talk all about it tell the story get into a little story time <laughs> but first a little message about our sponsor helix is a premium mattress and a box company that makes beds to fit your unique sleep style oh my gosh 
I love me some Helix Sleep. I know we recorded the end of the uh, at the end of the weekend, and I have to say the last few weekends that we've been here in El Paso, we've just spent them all in bed. I know it's probably a bad thing, probably but, a bad thing. But how can it be a bad thing with Helix Sleep? <laughs> 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 we have a, a we have two Helix mattresses. One of them's in storage right now. That is the queen size mattress. But we love our Helix Midnight Lux king size mattress. It our king size mattress. Is to die for, but it's, I don't feel like it's big enough. Somehow, no, with, with it the is dog, not. It's just not big enough. No, I mean it, it is big enough. What's crazy? What's crazy for me is how I can be sleeping on one side of the bed <laughs> and have like this much space, and him and the dog are like right up against me. But me and the dog, me that, and the yeah, dog, it's you and the dog, me and the dog, you and the dog. Okay, mm, let's yeah. talk a little bit about Helix now. Everybody is different and everybody has their own unique needs and so they've made a sleep quiz that'll match you with your perfect mattress based on your needs. I am an all over sleeper, Alistair is more of a side sleeper. He likes a firm mattress, I like uh, you know, more medium. We took the quiz together and we got the Midnight Mattress. And one of the best parts about Helix is that they deliver the mattress right to your door for free. It comes rolled up in a box and is super easy to set up yourself. And if it makes you nervous to buy something online that you haven't tried, Helix has a 100-night sleep trial, so you get more than three months to make sure that you absolutely love it. And if you don't, they'll pick it up for you and you'll get a full refund. If you or anybody you know is in the market looking for a new mattress and you think Helix might be right for you, you can go to helixsleep.com slash tequila. Because we're tequila now. I always almost get tripped up. Yeah. <laughs> where you can get up to $200 off of your mattress and two Free pillows. Ooh, I was I, I was re- kind of ready for it, but I got it, I got it. two free pillows. Let me tell you, these are amazing pillows. He, you flip them over, <laughs> they're cold. They stay Alistair, colder longer. Alistair is ready to do a full five minute uh, presentation <laughs> on these pillows. This happens every single time we talk about. This. I really love these pillows. Let me tell you, for today's little story time shindig, where we talk about Tab and Tony, a Hollywood forbidden romance, we're going to be using a couple different sources. Right, um, Tab Hunter Confidential. It's Tab Hunter's autobiography and it is so good is it a memoir autobiography what is i always write down the difference and i forget i think it could be both right autobiography i'd say Um, it it says autobiography written in 2005 but then we also watched the documentary because the documentary is really good yeah we're also going to be covering split image oh my gosh author i didn't even write that down okay zachary how dare you um, it's an Anthony. You Perkins. say when I was the one reading it. Did you? <laughs> it's an Anthony Perkins, um, a biography about Anthony Perkins. We're going to kind of reference that one a little bit too. So this is basically what we did. Is oh, I and we also one. watched an Annie documentary on yes. Anthony Perkins. Uh, but we kind of knew like the biographies and the eat true Hollywood stories and stuff. We're going to kind of. I figured they would kind of gloss over any of the gay stuff. It was better than we thought. Then it would I be. thought it was going to yeah. be because most of those they will gloss over gay stuff like that, and they'll give you the list like twenty movies he was in, right? What actually did you know about Tab Hunter before we like decided to go ahead and start covering this, or before we ever first watched that documentary? Because we watched the documentary first, right? So we, we watched the documentary a while ago, and then we decided to cover Tab Hunter and Anthony Perkins, mm. and so we watched it again. But before that, um, I hadn't known anything about Tab Hunter, yeah. So I had to look him up, and he was really among the gallery of stars back then. He was he was a big star. Yeah. He was like a really big star. He was the highest earner. Yeah, I, I I it was a little bit ashamed because my film knowledge is pretty good. I have to say, I'm gonna brag on myself a little bit, and I'm really good at like my film history. Um, I didn't remember Tab Hunter. I didn't remember like re- reading about Tab Hunter. I don't think I've seen his movies, and it was. 
I was a little bit embarrassed about that. But then You're watched like, the documentary. Who is this guy? I felt like it felt like I was in love with him when, when I watched the documentary, him and Anthony Perkins and their whole story. And then he died in about 2018. So that was pretty sad. Um, but he had a nice long life. He had a nice long life and a very yeah. eventful life, a life that put together this really interesting autobiography. I think the autobiography is like well worth the read. Even if you've already seen the documentary, go ahead and yes. read the autobiography. Um, let's kind of get into Tab a little bit before we get into Anthony. Uh, he was so he was born to uh, he was born his his original name was Arthur Kilm, and that was later changed to uh, his mother's maiden name because his dad was just a deadbeat and never in the picture. <laughs> She's ever. like mm, Galeen. <laughs> He's a Galeen. Uh, so she was like a German immigrant. Her and her parents were they came over from Germany, and uh, he was born to Gertrude Galeen on July eleventh, nineteen thirty one, in New York City. His dad stopped by on his birthday, the day he was born, and literally gave her some chocolate and walked to like left. Um, <laughs> you know what? He wasn't out of their life though. So he was still like dad, but he just like didn't want to be around for the birthday. I guess he's like, mm, you well, deal with it. Wasn't he out of their life? I thought well, she got, were. she got a, a damn a, a blanket from the nurse and like had to walk home with her child with her newborn baby. And he was also born. So, uh, we're going to call him Tab. I'm not going back and forth between his two names. Tab was born like 11 months after the first child. So like she has two babies, like both under one year Ooh, old. Back to back. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and so his dad was, his dad was just. He, it sounds like he raised. just didn't want to be a dad. He didn't want to be a dad. And he was really abusive to them. One of Tab's earliest memories though, is being in New York. He was only in New York about a couple of years. And he remembers it being cold and his dad beating his mom like th these are the things he remembers of his dad they're not good things you know and his mom like after they left never would talk about his dad so he didn't really know much about it, his dad and later on went to find his dad and it just wasn't a good experience so he didn't have a dad really he didn't grow up with a dad he grew up with a mother and something him and Tony actually really have in common um but so Gertrude's parents uh Gertrude's dad actually rescued them and said hey um, he, he caught wind of what was going on that his daughter was being beat by this, you know, piece of shit man and brought her and the kids over to California. And so he didn't, he was, well, he was born in New York. He didn't grow up a New Yorker. And I think this is something that he talks about a lot is how Tony was such a New Yorker. And, and, and he was more of a California he's guy. He's a Cali boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he went to California and he pretty much, his mom got, uh, his, his grandfather got his mom a job as like a ship stewardess. So she was gone for weeks at a time and whenever yes. she was back around they would move a lot they were always moving they were always on the go um i found that very interesting yeah because he, he said her the, his mother was like so like fixated on making sure that their childhood was better than hers yes that he kept on like pushing but them also up, 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 no up. at the same time right i think she was so hyper focused on making it a good childhood that she wasn't he says that she was more interested in protecting and providing rather than affection. So she wasn't very affectionate with them, especially with him. She, he was, she was more affectionate with his older brother, Walter. Um, and one day she comes home from, <laughs> from sea after being away for a couple of weeks. And she's like, yeah, this is my new husband, Harry. And she has, she's yeah. like gotten married to somebody she met on the damn ship. I, I, I like those. Dutch guy. 
those chapters because they're like we were he was like we were little (laughs) shits to harry he didn't deserve this at all he did say that he's like yeah harry didn't really deserve it harry actually loved my mother and was pretty good to my mother but my mother wasn't also very good to harry either she also didn't love him yeah he said it was a marriage of convenience it was a marriage of convenience because as soon as she got married to him she like quit her job and didn't work anymore she she quit her job became a a little bit yeah a full-time mother right for a but, she, bit. but she was also doing like nursing or something like that. Well, um, so she wasn't the, the money that Harry was pulling in wasn't enough to keep her a full time mom forever. Um, but she was, you know, even though she wasn't super, super affectionate, she was always giving her sons lessons. Right. And I wrote a couple of them down that stood out to me that I really liked, actually, because I think this is good. This is a good way to be a parent, not the lack of affection. I give your kids affection, but also like teach them lessons, teach them things that are going to go on with them in life yeah. because she was really about pushing her kids to have the best life that they can and making it for themselves, not letting mm-hmm. somebody else like give them a good life. They had to make a life for themselves. So uh, for every door that closes to open, it's good. Always have a goal. And when you reach it, set another one. I really like that one. And constructive thinking brings good re- results. And I, I, I think this was her way of showing affection. That was her way of showing affection. Uh, yeah. yeah, because he, he says, like, whenever I'd come to her with a problem, like, she wouldn't comfort me. She'd give me platitudes. Yeah. <laughs> she said, here's a piece of advice I read in The Secret. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, so they, she said, girl, girl, wash your face. I, I read in this book. Copy of uh, tab, wash your face. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they moved around a lot. They didn't really, there, there wasn't really a whole lot of stability outside of just having each other right like he was really reliant on his brother his brother was like meant everything to him his older brother was a very important person in his life and they had a very close relationship well because they moved around so much that it was hard to build close friendships and his mother was always part of the time overseas yeah and so him and his brother were as close as you could be really one of the last times he even got close to anybody in his childhood was uh, with his older brother Walt has a, had a girlfriend named Beverly when they were kids, and then Walt broke up with Beverly, and Tab became best friends with Beverly. Uh, and Tab goes on to say that he was always more, much more comfortable with girls, and so Beverly was one of those girls that you know he was just really comfortable with. And they would this also like inspired his love for movies, right? Because him and Beverly would collect oh, coins yeah. throughout the week. I liked the story that they would collect like coins throughout the week, and then you know one weekend afternoon they would just go and see a bunch of movies. You know, well, I, I also read in there where he would also do it with his brother and then he his mother would come home from like work or whatever and sometimes they would make her, their, their mother food for when she came back from work mm-hmm. and then they would guide her past the movies <laughs> see a movie guide her into the movie get money out of their per out of her purse and pay for three tickets to go in to try to get her to love the movies as much as, as, yeah. as they did and tab loved the movies and when he heard of shirley temple like the concept of being an actor was like so appealing to him he was like how do i become a child actor <laughs> which i think i feel like a oh, lot relatable. of people have Absolutely like that. me i will never forgive my mother for not taking me to the corn pops commercial that everybody else got to go see right <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm just remembering a Hot Wheels commercial uh, thing that I went to and I farted in the middle of it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Tab and his brother didn't even know that they were Catholics, but they were Catholic. Um, this family was Catholic, and they only found that out when they were sent to a Catholic school. And they're like, and their mother was like, yes, we are Catholic. Yeah, we are Catholic, now go to confession. Mm, basically. Well, it seemed like he. So in the book, he said he was like super into it, though. He was like, all this clergy stuff, all this like. Catholics and t- talking Latin and just being like all like kind of elevated. I think 
Tab just had a lot of interests and was interested in everything. This is kind of what I got from the book is that he was just interested in everything and had such an active mind that he was always thinking about doing doing, something, doing something. And he was very active person. And when they were in Catholic school, I mean, he was very rigid, obviously, and very unsafe because uh, there there was a choir master. There, There there's a few mentions of from here. uh, Trigger warning. Sexual assault. Yeah. Yeah, trigger warning for uh, sexual assault. He stayed after school one time to like help out with you know some things with the, moving around some crosses and some candles and maybe a pew or two, some Bibles, putting the Bibles back in their pews. Um, and a choir master came up to him and started making out with him and feeling him up, and he freaked out, pushed back, and like ran, ran off. But um, he didn't tell anybody, and and he kept that choir master secret. And the choir master gave him a solo. So it was like he was getting rewarded for his silence. Um, but he also gets into horses. So he loves movies, right? But he also is really into horses. And so he like sneaks off to stables all the time and his go just goes and, you know, brushes the horses or helps out with whatever needs to be helped with them in stables. And he's, so he gets super into horses. This is something that carries on lifelong. With yeah, I, 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 I think that was his true love is horses, really. Yeah, so he, he wanted to be an actor. He wanted to be in movies. That was like an ambition of his. But horses, he just felt such a connection to and just loved, right? <laughs> he later describes one of the girls that he's kind of interested in as one of... <laughs> she, she reminds him of a horse. <laughs> oh, no. I think the way he's trying to describe it is that I, I felt such a connection with her like I do with horses, but it just comes off like he's describing her as a horse. <laughs> Tab was just super into everything. He even became a figure skater in his late teens. A just professional figure out skater. Out of nowhere, just like, I think I'm going to start figure skating. We were watching and the documentary and we were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like he has these ideas and he goes out and does something. It just always seems like he's really trying to escape his life and trying to just mm. do something and trying, just doing everything until he, like, hits on the right thing, right? He does have crushes and girlfriends. I think throughout the book he has crushes and girlfriends, you know. Or not so much girlfriends, but he does have crushes on other girls. And I think either sexuality is a spectrum, right? I think everybody... Well, I mean, all, I some, had I had crushes on girls, too. Yeah, like, well, everybody's somewhere on this sexuality spectrum. You might be on one extreme end or the other, but I think he kind of... He's, like, not somewhere in the middle. He's definitely more on the gay side. Yeah. But I think... Not a hundred percent gay is, is what I would think. What I take from this. Well, you know what? What we find out in the book is he don't like labels, anyways. Oh, he hates labels. He so. opens the book with the, he hates labels. He doesn't want to be called any sort of label. Don't call him no good old American boy. Nothing. He, um. he said. <laughs> Me, labels, none. Thank you. So there's an experience when he's 14 and he sneaks out of the house and he goes to the movie theater. He's not allowed to go to the movies on on weekdays, but his mom is at work, so he goes to the movie theater. So he's there by himself and an adult man comes and sits next to him and just starts doing stuff to him, uh, you know, unbuttons his pants and does stuff to him. And, and Tab doesn't stop him. And Tab notes this, that he's like too scared to stop him because this is an older guy. He says that everybody at that age, he's 14, so everybody at that age just looks older. He doesn't even know what the age of this guy looks like. Um... But he's too scared to stop him, and then, you know, it kind of excites him a little bit. And when it's done, the guy gives him a dollar and his phone number and leaves and says to call him. Uh, and Tab's like, well, I'm never going to call him. I'm not going to do it. And he, over time, he gets this urge to call him, and it just, like, keeps eating away at him and nagging at him and nagging at him. And, and he gives in, and he calls him and meets him at that same theater, the Arlington, and they do it again, and then they do it again and do it again. And it happens, like, a dozen or so more times. Um, and this is kind of really what triggers his Catholic guilt. And he is, uh, he just like goes into a tailspin of guilt thinking he's a sinner and what did he, what has he done? And 
Well, that, you know, let, that let me tell you, he wasn't in the fault, but he wasn't in the fault. No, this was a grown man. This is yes. a grown man who did taking that. advantage. Yeah, and it must have been so confusing for a child. You know, uh, this is the second time he's been. And this taken is advantage. this is him. Oh. This this is his. This is a homosexual experience for him. This is his second homosexual experience against his will, or you know, non consensual, and. It's just, it's really murky waters, right? Because it's not right. It's obviously pedophilia on that guy's end, but but then he's he's kind of justifying in his own mind, well, I enjoyed it, you know. And this is the place I can get that, yeah. so I'm going to go after so it So he's again. making connections, yeah, and it just yeah. sends him into this tailspin of Catholic guilt, and I definitely had that, you know. Um, a big thing that I've suffered with in life is... is I call it religious-based OCD, and it's that anytime I think I'm, like, offending God, I start getting really—all of my OCD ticks start setting in, like, I have to cross myself or I have to cross things like my phone or—I um, don't do it so much now, but I did it a lot when I was a teenager. Like, when I was a teenager, everything I did, I thought offended God, and it, it, especially whenever I started having gay experiences. Uh, I was always, like—I was constantly just— well, you still do that when you eat. Yeah. I used to, I, I heard of, of doing a rubber band whenever you had b- bad thoughts, flick mm. the rubber band. But then I was like, what if I start liking the flicking of the rubber band? Yeah. Thing? I don't know. Um, but this is, uh, this he takes this as a lesson of God's free will and the consequences that come with it and being careful. And I think that's kind of instilled to him through his mom because his mom is always teaching them lessons and see, and teaching them to find lessons in everything. Yeah. And so he finds lessons in, in, in this, but <laughs> he goes on at 15 to join the coast guard. So he's wanting to get away from his life. This is like, he's like very early on wanting to escape his life and like start a new life for himself. And so at 15, he goes and joins the coast guard and lies about his age. And I'm just like, that blew my mind. I'm like, you just lied about your age and got in the coast guard. There's no, this was super was- prevalent. back then. <laughs> Honestly, this was like super prevalent back then, maybe less so after world war two, but definitely still very prevalent. Yeah. It's just wild to me. It's like a year before they even figure that out. So he's in the Coast Guard for a year. They're just kind of bopping around. He thinks so he's he's like in love with the movies, right? So he's thinking he's gonna go somewhere tropical or like to Shanghai or somewhere glamorous that they're gonna take him out there and he's gonna have this adventurous life and they take him to like the middle of the Pacific uh, to this like <laughs> weather station. Well, that's what happens when you get in the military, let me tell you. Yeah, he's just and he's just there, and he says that my days are just filled with keeping watch, chipping at paint, and then he <laughs> he starts having gay experiences there, and he like kind of starts feeling out, you know, who's who might be open to who, who, having where, a where the gays at, where the gays at, and so he, and he finds a view of them, a few semen, if you will, <laughs> um, and yeah, and then when he goes on leave, he would go off and uh, go. Start, he, he has started integrating himself into a gay scene and, like, understanding where the gay scene is. Well, I mean, I feel like we, we've we all search, searched out the gay scene, but it was probably a lot, lot, lot harder in the 1940s, yeah. 50s. Oh, my gosh. So it's like a whole year before the Coast Guard even figures out that this this is a 16-year-old guy now. <laughs> whole fucking year. And they're like, wait a minute. This Get out of here. Seem right. <laughs> How old are you? And he's like, I'm 16. <laughs> I'm 16. Like, you can't be here, but he's already, like, completed classes and everything. Like, he's, like, gotten military benefits. He had, like, a $100 a week, or, or not a week, maybe a month, $100 a month, like, government check. So, he's <laughs> the government. Well, well, let me tell you, yeah. uh, he, he, he got out quick. 
He did get out quick. Um, but while he was on in leave one time, um, he actually met an actor named Dick Clayton. This is like goes on to be like one of his one of his longer term friends, right? Um, and Dick Clayton pretty much right off the bat is like, you should be a movie star. You need to be concentrating on a career in movies. You need to be a movie star. And he's like really pushing him to be a movie star. Um, Tab doesn't really care about being a movie star. He's like, I would love to. I don't believe him, actually. He says he doesn't care. He's like, I, I didn't care if I was a movie star. Well, I didn't we, care. He even said that while he was in the Coast Guard, they called him Hollywood. I, they did. They called him Hollywood in the in the Coast Guard. Uh, so, I don't believe him. I think he loved I the I think attention. he was playing it down I a think lot. he wanted to be in the movies. It's like, oh, I accidentally became the highest earning uh, person <laughs> at Warner Brothers. It's just like, you know, it's very like Robert uh. Pattinson. And then I accidentally put out a, a number one single. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> um, Dick Clayton. <laughs> Dick Clayton introduces him to Henry Wilson. And Henry Wilson is notorious in, in this era of Hollywood, right? So yes. in the, the, even on the Wikipedia page, you look at it in one of the first few sentences that Henry Wilson is really notable for creating the beefcake craze of the 50s. So he had this whole stable of good-looking young men. Rock Hudson was his most famous client. Rock Hudson, this big, giant movie star. And this is this was his first client. And so he, or not his first client, but he, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, so Henry Wilson would basically just scout out these young, really, really good-looking guys, and they were all of his clients were super good-looking, and he would take them under his wing, and he would uh, give them a, a new name. He would polish them up, dress them up, and basically give them a whole new persona that he could then pitch to studios, and they'd become these big, you know, giant movie stars. Um, Henry Wilson also was in—he he wasn't a very good character. He was a pretty good bad guy. What was that show called? Yeah. It was a Netflix show. Henry Wilson was, was portrayed in Netflix's Hollywood. Oh, it's Hollywood, a Ryan yeah. Murphy show. So, of course, it's got all the Ryan Murphy fare. It's very cheesy. Um, it was pretty good, like the first half of that show, but they definitely... It ended weird. I think it ended really weird. They I was really rewrote history. Yeah. They rewrote history. It goes, it, Which it goes, I don't mind, but it was also like very easy. It just felt very easy. You just have to watch it to understand, but Henry Wilson has kind of a character redemption by the end of that season and he's like sees the error of his ways that never happened he never did that he never saw the error of his ways henry wilson was notorious for trying to sleep with all of these guys that he was um or have them sleep with him to all get of up. his clients right Kinda, or yeah. like yeah he, he would whine and dine these guys tell them that they could be big hollywood stars and put the move on them and these guys would sleep with him in hopes of like furthering a career and building a career. And then, you know, most times it just didn't even happen. Um, Tab vehemently denies that he ever did anything with Henry. He says, I never did anything. I would never. It's like I flirted with, with him and that's it. Yeah, I he, drew a line. He definitely flirted with Henry to kind of like get under Henry's good graces. And Henry would definitely like cop a feel sometimes almost immediately. Henry was copping a feel and like putting his hand on his leg and, and, you know, feeling his back and maybe, Maybe brushed his butt, you know? Yeah. But um, Tab Tab held his distance. Dick Clayton and Henry Wilson actually are the ones who came up with Tab Hunter's name. Remember, his name is Art Giller. Giller? Giller? Oh, Gilly? Uh, Arthur? Gilly. Galeen. 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 <laughs> Arthur Galeen or Art Galeen. Art Galeen. So they come up with Tab because it, it, Tab is something that they say in, in passing on, on one of their sentences. And then uh, Hunter's because... He likes horses. horses. He loves horses. So they come up with Tab Hunter, and he hates the name, he says. Tab makes me think of that soda called Tab. That's what I thought. Yeah. I thought that, that he was named after a Tab. After but tab I, I think Tab come 
I think the soda is after. Mm. It's funny the, all these names that people get. You know, Rock Hudson. I you think love those one, names. That was one of the per- most perfect names I think ever exists. Is Rock Hudson such a cool Rock name. Hudson? But then all of these guys like, like and I, this is another thing I don't know if I believe is like Tab's like I always hated that name. It was a horrible name. It wasn't that great. I didn't like the name Tab Hunter. And Rock Hudson said the same things. I didn't like the name Rock Hudson. It's like really? Did you really not? Come on now. I think I like it. I Tab Hunter is a good name. Plus, like he's still on the back of this book. It's Tab Hunter. Yeah, as, he's still calling himself Tab Hunter. He's so, not, he hasn't changed it back. I think he grew to like it. You know? Yeah, well, Especially I mean, if you that. use it for so long. Well, he started getting successful under Tab Hunter. Of course, he started to like yeah. it. <laughs> um, but he doesn't actually get... It, it's a while before he actually gets work. Remember, he likes, uh, like, becomes a client of Henry's when he's like 16, 17 years old. It's not even until he's 18 that he gets his first like bit part, and it's like two words, but he gets $500 from these two words. It's too little. I wish. I know. If if we got so that's That's nineteen fifties money. What is that? That's two hundred fifty dollars a word. Yes. Think of how many words we've we've already spoken. Exactly. Exactly. Am I being charged for that? Mm. (laughs) I don't know. Um, but he's like, he, he thinks this is amazing. He thinks he is, he is on the up and up. Now he goes and opens a bank account and everything. And it's a while before he gets another role. Um, <laughs> so this, it, like the, the roles drive, this was it for a little bit, but then it, it's not immediate, but he does start after a little bit of time getting more roles. And this is when he sort of starts to make it and tab hunter starts to starts to snowball. You know, he gets a movie called Island of Desire and gets to go and film in Jamaica and England. That sounds Talk about luxurious. No, like call me Zach Hunter, Zachy Tab, Tabby Zach, <laughs> Tabby Zach. You want to be a Tabby? Tab Pat and go, Tab Pat, Tab Pat. <laughs> no, what did what Pebble? No, Pebble, <laughs> Pebble Pat. Pebble uh, Pat is my is my Hollywood name. It's your Hollywood name. <laughs> Um, so he goes off and he films this movie and by the time he comes back he's like he's got photographers all over him right you know he's his his star is definitely starting to rise now and over the next couple of years his work is steady he's he's getting roles you know one two three movies a year and he even gets signed into a seven year contract by Warner Brothers Studios this is he's one of the last uh, one of the last stars to get signed by Warner Brothers Studios I think it was him Natalie Wood and James Dean I hope it's Natalie Wood. I feel like I'm getting that I'm wrong. pretty sure it's is Natalie, it Natalie Wood because I think I read it the same thing. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think I did. This is the time where the studio system is Was on the way out the way anyway. Out, yeah. yeah, this is like a very dated thing in Hollywood at this time. The studio system is basically studio signing this gaggle of, of actors under stable. their... Stable. Stable gaggle of actors under their, under their wing, and they have to only do the movies that the studio is producing, right? And the studio tells them which movies to do and puts them on a salary rather than paying them, like, a million dollars a picture. You know, they give them, like, I don't know, 750 a, a week or so. It's interesting because it's a seven-year contract. Though yeah. I know at some point they were also doing a X amount of movie contracts. You know, you did... X amount of movies, and yeah. then you got like out of your contract. Well, I think it would just depend on which contract you were getting, right? Because James Dean signed around the same time that Tab did, and James Dean refused to do a long term seven year contract. He only did a three picture contract. So, three movies is what he signed on for with hmm. Warner Brothers Studios uh, before he died. 
So it's it's interesting. I think it just like ranged, and and some actors were very confident in their ability and didn't want to sign for something that long ride, or maybe had better managers. And then there were people like Tab Hunter who was just like really stoked to be working as an actor and getting to be in these movies, and so he's gonna sign anything. Well, right? well plus they first signed him for his looks. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. I, I and I, th- I think honesty is good here in terms of like he did get. I mean, he, he does kind of have pretty privilege. Oh, absolutely. Um, this guy is... is he, he didn't very much have talent in this way yet, yeah. and you know? He, Tab was incredibly gorgeous. He was like a handsome boy, especially at this time. This was like the look, right? It was like... This was the look, but it was like on the way out, right? Because then you have the James Deans. Yeah. You know, um... But Tab also dumps Henry Wilson as, as an agent, and Henry gets revenge. And he's like, Mm-mm, okay, bitch. Okay, you little fairy, you little <laughs> queer, let's get you. Let's get you. At the time, there was a, a magazine called Confidential Magazine, basically like OK Magazine or Star Magazine. You know, it's a gossip column. It's tabloids. Um, Tab. Tabloids. But this it was notorious for outing people and really really seedy stuff like that. You know, they were really uh, – this time of Hollywood – It was for was dirty really journalism. Trying to – yeah, there was a lot of dirty journalism around this time and outing people, outing people as communists. Hedda Hopper is I don't know if she worked for I don't think she ever worked for Confidential Magazine, but Hedda Hopper was a one of the like reigning <laughs> we all didn't hear that because the dog is the dog is passing wind. <laughs> Hardcore over there. <laughs> um Hedda Hopper was he like says those journalists a celebrity journalist who basically was like on a fucking mission to out people and out people as communists and as homosexuals and like she was she was very much into that scene. I mean, um, even, uh, gosh, like a, a lot of lot of different actors got outed as like being well, that's sympathizers thing, right? or communists yeah. um, or stuff like that. So Confidential Magazine, or, or Henry Wilson goes to Confidential Magazine because Confidential Magazine is going to be doing a story on Rock Hudson that's supposed to be really damaging to his career. Literally. So Henry Wilson trades... Uh, trades the tab story for the rock story says don't run the rock story here's the tab story i'll give this to you and to a lot of people still do this in in media today is in order to get your client kind of off of the roster if if there's a publication going to expose something about your client um agents and publicists and all that will trade another story for maybe even one of their own clients that's a little bit lesser than that happens all the time well sometimes it's like reframing the story we will admit that they did this, but not that they did this. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, that happens all the time. So the story that is run in Confidential Magazine was one that happened when Tab was just coming up in Hollywood, right? He was just starting in Hollywood. He had it's already post-meeting Henry Wilson, and, and but like before he, his star even started to rise. And so he went to a gay party. And the way he describes <laughs> this gay party is like, oh, it was a gay party. And I knew as soon as I walked in, there was no women. It was all men. They were cuddling and drinking the booze and, and smoking, smoking the, the cigarettes. cigarettes. He, <laughs> you know, Deb really throughout this whole book says, I don't want labels. I don't want labels. But I have to say the good old boy of America, the American boy next door, the, the prudish type, those are labels that should stick with it because he's all throughout this book saying, I don't know, booze, no liquor. No yeah. cigarettes. I don't like any of that. Gays having a party. No, none of that. None of that. You know why I was there for the free food. I like the free food. Uh, <laughs> the cops show up basically and arrest everybody at this party and charge everybody. He called the cops. He didn't call the cops. Yeah. I'm Tab kidding. I'm called kidding. The cops. He, he didn't call the cops. This is you're giving me some <laughs> Alistair's alternative facts. 
<laughs> well, because I was leaning into your, your thing of calling him British. It's like, oh, there's gays here. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets arrested, and that goes on his permanent record, right? I think that it was it was described in the magazine as a that Tab Hunter was arrested at a limp-wristed pajama party. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, but like, you know, it's on its permanent record as disturbing the peace. And, uh, this is the, this is the story that runs in confidential magazine and the story is humiliating for tab, but doesn't actually have any repercussions on his career. It really doesn't hurt his career at all. Yeah. It just gay rumors follow him for the rest of his career, which I feel like they were following everybody's career anyway. They I, feel, were, I feel like even still, I know yeah. I, you know, I feel like gay rumors are less apparent, but gay rumors follow everybody. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but especially at that time, like these stars, like I, I feel like gay rumors and lesbian rumors were all over the place about everybody. Any girls, any boys who hung out together one evening and got photographed were automatically in a romantic liaison. That's why you ha- always had to pair off uh, two women to men. <laughs> Double dating, if you if you will. Um, Tab did have relations with other men. You know, he dated a little bit. Um there was he. It doesn't seem like he went too much into the book and into hookups and such, but he did talk about his more meaningful relationships. And one of those was, I think it was his first relationship. Actually, it was an Olympic uh, figure skater, of course, uh, <laughs> named Ronnie Robertson. Um, and there was a really cute story that's told in the documentary and in the book. And it's, it's that Ronnie was. He was having a competition, right? And and Tab wanted to go to it and to support him, but everybody was telling him, "Don't go, because you're gonna arouse suspicion for being there." And, and he's uh, not gonna win. And he's not gonna win because he's gonna be mm-hmm. too distracted. And Tab goes anyway, and he goes and supports his man. He said, "I'm gonna go and support my baby." And well, Ronnie doesn't win. I do wonder about James Dean though, because there's a, I mean, there's a lot of talk about him hanging out with James Dean in the book, but like he never says any, he says that he thinks that James Dean was straight. And there's a lot of people. I I think James Dean was more straight too. I think James Dean was ready to bend his sexuality whenever he, whenever it was advantageous. Um, I don't, that's, you know, that's probably just what most people in Hollywood were doing. You know, it's just, you you, you hear more about James Dean's relationship with men than you do about his relationships with women. But I wonder if he ever did anything with Tab Hunter. Tab Hunter and James Dean ever got it on. Uh, or maybe they didn't, and that's why he's like, oh, he's straight. If, if you don't like this, <laughs> he don't I don't like know. Me. This. You're looking at the tab, baby. <laughs> he must be straight. Let me pick up the tab <laughs> for you. Um, yeah, but by the time Tab meets Tony Perkins in 1955, he's a big star. So, you want to go on to Tony Perkins? Let's do it. You don't talk about Tony. No, no, no. Tony's makes me sad. Well, it, it's really interesting because I read um, some of Tab Hunter and then I read also uh, the Anthony Perkins one. And both of them are very much that they don't like the labels that have been slapped on them. Yeah. But at the same time, really conforming to the labels that have been slapped on them. Yes. We also have to keep in mind that this is a biography of Tony Perkins and not a, like an autobiography. He didn't have any participation in this book. No, he didn't. Um, so he was raised by his mother mother janet perkins and her uh longtime female companion michaela everybody says they were lesbians they were roommates everybody says someone said i think that they were lesbians but if not they had a wonderful platonic relationship (laughs) (laughs) people say about us too baby (laughs) (laughs) we're just roommates guys um so his father was a big theater star Uh, his name was osgood and his father didn't care much about having a kid. Um, his mother wanted to have a kid, and that's why they had uh, they had Anthony. Mm-hmm. But his father 
really, for the most part, only cared about being in theater and doing theater. And he ended up passing away at the age of 36. He had a heart attack, right? Yes, mm-hmm. he had a heart attack. And uh, But Janet Perkins, during this entire time, she handled uh, both his money and later on she would handle tab hunter's money this kind of goes into how controlling she is over time yeah because she really wants to control almost every single aspect of anthony perkins life and we notice this about anthony perkins going forward is that he is he seems to fall into this pattern of being controlled by older women yes because i mean that's what he's comfortable with and then you also see the links that he goes to to gain some independence Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's all really interesting what a lot of people don't know is uh, anthony perkins was also fluent in French because they hired a maid. They had a French maid. They had a French maid uh, that they hired so that he could learn both French and English at the same time, which let me tell you, when you're a kid, that's the best time to learn He came from an affluent family, basically. They would vacation at Fire Island. Yes, so they went to Fire (laughs) Island, which I thought was hilarious. The lesbians taking the gays under Fire Island. Exactly. And um, so this was a big deal for them because this was – one of the first times that the father had taken time off yeah. to spend with the family. And this is the first time he felt like he was part of a family. Yeah. And it was this whole thing. He, he would go off and watch uh, theater performances with his mother and father. They were both really, really inundated in, in theater. And then uh, he took a, a box of marbles and he put it under one of the planks and he said, when I'm 30 years old, I'm going to come back and I'm going to grab it. Oh, my it. gosh. I, you always know had, I, always had, I always had fantasies of doing stuff like that. And anything I ever buried, it's probably all still wherever I buried it. If you go on a treasure hunt one day, maybe that'll be a whole movie in and I, of itself. Going I, feel, out of, I feel like a lot of kids are obsessed with just burying things uh, and like little time capsules. <laughs> Um, so while, while attending Cardin school in New York, Tony began to stutter very badly. Yeah. Um, and... The way his teacher and his mother dealt with this is to stop forcing him to use his right hand because it was seen as, you know, like perverse and weird to use your left hand back then as, you know, your your dominant hand. And once they stopped making him use his right hand, he stopped stuttering. Weird ass rules back then. Those poor left handers, the lefties. They were (laughs) like, I'm just, I'm just a freak mother. But but who is, who, who is obsessed with this whole left hand situation? Like it's crazy. (laughs) <laughs> McCarthyism. That's McCarthy, what it is. Probably he did it. You know all those commies. The, the homosexuals, the are communists, and the left-handed are the menace to society. And it, it, and it's funny because throughout his like entire career, he almost like his biggest movie everybody knows is Psycho. Yeah, and he tries to throw off the it's Norman Bates. And I don't want to say that like there's a lot of correlation. But there's a lot of correlation. There is, and there's he, a lot of like this is literally a quote from him. He says, "I became abnormally close to my mother." He confessed. And whenever my father came home, I was jealous. Yeah. It was the audible thing in a pronounced form. I loved him, but I also wanted him to be dead so I could have her all to myself. Which is, I feel like, fair. That's what children do. Children think weird, crazy shit like that. And then yes. his dad dies of a heart attack, and he's, like, really guilty. He feels really guilty about it. Exactly. He killed his father. And that for carried a long time. For a long time. Like, yeah. even in adult years, he thought he killed his father. Yeah, he was completely horrified by this. Yeah. And he was often described as a very beautiful, shy, but introspective kid. Um, and they moved to they moved around quite a bit at this point. So they moved to Florida for a bit, and then they moved back to Boston. Uh, but during this time, 
Um, she was very worried about the lack of a masculine influence in Anthony Perkins' life. She didn't want him to basically be growing up just being, you know, raised by women. And so she tried to force him to do sports. I thought the weird part about that book was that they were saying that he, because of his mother, he was so effeminate. And because he was growing up around women all the time, he was so effeminate. And that's why, and like, if he had just had a man around, that he would have been fine, you know. And the way they talk about him being effeminate is little disturbing sometimes you know he's really not as effeminate as they make him out to be he's not he's not even right he, uh, he really just seems like scholarly intellectual it. it's just he wasn't the brute yeah. manly man that rock hudson or you know maybe even tab hunter were yeah he wasn't so, a sports guy yeah and they, they, they uh, he wasn't a sports guy until his mother made him a sports guy well his mother tried to make him uh <laughs> she tried to make him play ba- basketball but basketball <laughs> we've all played basketball at one point or another <laughs> baseball <laughs> But um, he was afraid of the ball. I'll be honest. I played hockey for a couple of years. Hockey was the only sport that I was good at. But really, I just like the skating part of it. So you and, are a figure skater too. I like the skating part of it, and I like that I could just push people. Baby, are you the tab hunter? And I'm the Anthony Perkins. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> well, I don't know. Here's another story that actually reminded me of you a little bit. I don't know. So apparently he was known for telling a lot of scary stories to his cousins. And um, he would scare them with like tales of the, uh, there was like a lake behind like a house and he'd like scare them that there was like monsters in it, like tell whole elaborate stories. And here is this other accounting from uh, one of his cousins verbatim uh there was there was also a beautiful old caged elevator in their apartment building similar to the one olivia de haviland had in that marvelous movie laid in a cage one time tony told me you know we have a mad janitor down there who has dismembered cats and dogs and god knows what else you must be careful not to look him in the eye we got off the elevator he punched it to go down and then he jumped off i didn't know how to operate the elevator he sent me down to the basement by myself and he just laughed i was petrified finally he let me back upstairs later when i saw him in psycho i thought perfect (laughs) (laughs) done a theater reading by alistair j Patton. hope you've enjoyed your evening tonight but the whole comparison to Psycho, uh, but it was obvious. That's the comparison to me. It's fucking Psycho. Okay. It, it, it was obvious because like uh, he really vied for attention yeah. with his mother, and he vied for attention with his Mimi, and his cousin would talk about that about it all the time. This is a constant with him, especially with women figures. He vied for attention. Yeah. Um, he was eventually sent to a boarding school uh, to toughen up. To become more of a manly man. Tony, they're always trying to get him to toughen up instead of just like nurturing his creative talents that he clearly has. You know, he's like a theater kid. He's 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 a theater kid. He's creative. Yeah. Just nurture that instead of trying to force him to be this this so, brute. So I will say he later says that uh, because of this, um, he he thinks that he can take any kind of like uh, verbal abuse, any kind of abuse. Because of like his experience, like in the boarding school, yeah. um, he was bullied by bo- boys while he was there. When he f- failed to show up for a baseball game, um, like he was bullied very, very, very badly. And he he wrote his mother. He said, "Please transfer me to another school. I can't be here anymore." Um, and she wrote him back straight uh, with a note that said, "Straighten up and fly right." And there was a present, and guess what the present was? Oh. It was a baseball mitt. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's really interesting because, um, 
allegedly she was a queer person herself. Yeah. And I, I could see that she might have been like battling with both her being a queer person and her not wanting her but son to also be queer. it like she was battling it. It sounded like she just had a different expectation for a man than she did for a woman and that a, a gay man... Whether she probably wasn't even thinking of, I don't know, if she was thinking of him as gay or not, or homosexual or not, she probably read the McCarthy thing that said homosexuals are danger to America and not not lesbians, though, not lesbians, but the gays. It's the gays. Well, it it was interesting because uh, Jane had to be in total control. Yeah, Uh, and Tony was not. So all of his money, any money that he made, um, he would spend it. Uh, well, he, he would give it straight to his mother. Yeah. And because of this, he didn't have a lot of money to move around. So he hitchhiked a lot. Oh, my gosh. I was shocked when I saw this in the notes. Yes. In the so, Google Doc. Because you had notes about him hitchhiking, but he also hitchhikes he, in here. But it's not revealed until later that one of his friends says, yeah, he was hitchhiking and, and basically hooking up. Hitchhiking for homosexual experience. He was cruising. He was cruising. Yeah, he was cruising. cruising. And um, he he would do this a lot of times. And one time he told his mother, his mother didn't interview him. She should be like, I was, I'd be so worried about him sometimes because he'd always call me on the way back. And then like, there's this one time where he went with his buddies and then it was like a whole, like what you would tell your mom if you were trying to like tell her that, you know, that you were staying with a friend, but yeah. you know, you couldn't reach them, but you were obviously doing something naughty, yeah. you know? And so she had, had a couple of stories like that. Uh, uh, but he also was playing in the theater a lot. Yeah. His mother had really good relations with the theater and would often work as like somebody who worked in the administration for theater. The first theater he worked at was the Brad Purple summer theater in Vermont where he would play like very small roles. And this was like his kind of introduction to theater. And he did also see uh, Scarface, which his, uh, was his dad, dad was in. Movie. Yeah. Which is, I which thought was his I, dad I didn't movie. realize yeah. that that was the original. Yeah. yeah. So he, he saw it in like, it, I, I think in a way theater and acting was a way for him to be closer to his dad. Which is like so understandable too, right? Yeah. Like why did, wasn't his mother just like recognizing that and everybody recognizing that rather than trying to make it this negative thing that he wasn't, you know, tough enough and they kept trying to put him in baseball. Well, instead of giving his time to baseball, maybe put him in some acting classes or some theater classes and like really nurture. I mean, well, let's well, think about the time period though. You know, it's, they're not going to be doing that. Which is interesting. Cause she was like super supportive of the theater stuff because every summer yeah. they would both like work at theater troops and stuff like that. Um, just a manly actor, but, a manly but during actor. the year you got to work on being a man, work on being a man during the year. And then on your summer vacations, you can be a little bit queer, but, let, <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you, you can be a man in so many different ways. Exactly. There's not, yeah, there's not the, yeah. the, 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 the definitions on masculine and femininity. Like everybody has a little bit of masculinity and a little bit of femininity. You know, I just, I wholeheartedly believe that, you know? Um, and I think focusing on one or the other too much, is just it's so dangerous to somebody. And, and it's, it's how we're kind of like redefining what it is. Like it was so toxic. It's still toxic, but it was so toxic back then. Oh yeah. Um, but like he finally did switch schools. Yeah. He, he, he got a backbone and he went in and he told everybody, I am not coming back to the school uh, no matter what. So he, he got, got to a, a transferred school and what he would do is he was, he, he was known as very sweet. Yeah. He'd always kind of manipulate the adults with his looks and stuff. And so whenever there were sports, he'd go and play piano. They're like, oh my gosh, he's so good at playing piano, and and then he'd like. He said, "I wrote stuff. this one. It's called Home Run." <laughs> <laughs> this one, this one's called. But let, let me tell you, Zach and I have been listening to his music. 
it's pretty we'll good. get into it we'll get into it oh are, are, are we waiting for that he has one called indian giver it's a little problematic <laughs> which is interesting because so one of the ways he thought was cool is how he signed all of his oh, papers with the tp he signed it with a tp but uh after he graduated high school his last summer at the robin hood theater Kind of had a little summer loving, oh, so it's Tony and Williamson. A, Williamson. Oh. Um, but they, they so Williamson is interviewed for the book, yeah. and he said, "Yeah, like I, I could feel it. We were both closeted, but too afraid, so we'd go on like dates, and like he would go to the movies, and he'd put his head on my shoulder, and it was just very sweet. I love how sweet Tony is, and how like yeah, it does kind of remind me of you a little bit." You're sweet, and you're a little bit shy. You're little, super shy. A little bit of a psycho. A little bit of a psycho, too. You got them <laughs> crazy eyes sometimes. I don't know, because he reminds me of you a little bit, too. Um, so college years, he participated in theater and music. Yeah. Like we expected him to. And he was he got at, on his own, and he's like, fuck it, bitch, I'm doing it. Go for it. Go well, for it. Full well, throttle. Everybody was, so he was like a B, B minus student. So everybody was going to Harvard. He was going, he went to uh, Rollins, Rollins College in Florida because they only had a pass fail stuff. Mm. And, but he, he also got a scholarship for, you know, doing the theater stuff there. He did theater. He did uh, uh, the piano stuff over there. And he started to get involved in the gay, gay scene. community. Oh my goodness. The underground gay scene, the underground community. So his roommate was called Barclay Powers. And it was very interesting because he was like as openly gay as you could be. Um, where like if you asked him, he would t- he would tell you point yeah. blank that he's gay. Um, but he was also described as completely gorgeous. Um, but his roommate introduced him to three other guys: a Stanley, a Bill, and a Dick. And Bill and Dick. There's always a Dick everywhere, isn't there? There's, there's always dicks a Dick every, everywhere. Where's the name Dick in our in our society today? Huh? Almost homophobic, I think. Well, he started hooking up with Stanley, which was a roommate across the hall. So that was kind of like his yeah. first like stuff. But he didn't want to hook up with Stanley. He wanted Dick. But the problem was Dick was dating Bill. <gasps> oh, my gosh. But luckily for <laughs> uh, luckily for Tony, uh, Bill didn't care. He was like, yeah, go have have some Dick. Have, some ze- have sex with my boyfriend? Yeah, you, he's, oh, really? he's like, you can have sex with my boyfriend. And the thing is, Dick... Really didn't like that. Not that he didn't want to be with Anthony Perkins, but because he thought Bill was throwing him away. That he life. thought that Bill didn't care about him. This is turning into an HBO show, The Sex Life of, 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 of Anthony game, Perkins. Of gay college boys. Well, I, 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 it's interesting because um, he develops a really intense sexual relationship with Dick. Yeah. And Dick is described as tall, dark, muscular, handsome. That's Tony, though, without the muscular. You know, Tony's like really tall, dark. Yeah, too though. But without the muscular, but the issue that happens, okay, is Barkley. I'm not sure if trigger warning, I guess, but uh, Barkley gets completely hate crime. He gets completely beat up. The he gets the the shit beat out of him by Dick and Dick's father. By Dick, I read that, but I didn't read by Dick and his father. Yes, so I guess his father. Dick's a dick. Yeah, his father found some like gay memorabilia in his room, and uh, was it one of those situations that Dick was like, "That's that's and, that's and, not. I have nothing to do with this. This yeah. is all him. This is him." Well, did, I'm not sure maybe. if he was blaming the other guy, but uh, his father blamed his circle of friends for 
you know, being subversive and recruiting him to this, you know, factory, I guess. To Satan. Um, and they went across the hall. They beat the shit out of him. And guess who got charged? Oh, no, yeah. I know he got charged. All of them got charged, right? Not It wasn't nope. it wasn't Dick and his father, but, like, all of the it, gays it, got it, charged. Yeah, it was Stanley and Bill, like, uh, yeah. Bill got charged, and they tried to charge Anthony. There was, like, a big scandal at this college. Yes. Yeah, but Anthony didn't get charged because he was in good with the dean. Was it the dean or, like, one of the, it was one of the, the professors? It was the or head of admissions. Yeah, he was in good and, with somebody. And he, he, he went, and he, like, pleaded his case, and uh, the rest of them got kicked out of school. Yeah. Which is freaking crazy to me. Like, the... the and let's note that the 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 sort of uh, pattern of trauma that Tony is experiencing as he's experimenting with his own sexuality and like really coming into his own and like figuring himself out, right? Like as soon as you he's do a little it. bit more effeminate, so he gets bullied at school. You know, he starts having sexual relations and almost gets fucking arrested and the other guy gets beat. Like this is, this is trauma is starting to stack now. Right. And it just only adds to his anxiety because he's going to be a really anxious person going into his adult life. Well, it's like, this is what you get for being gay, especially openly gay, like Barclay. Yeah. And Barclay later passes away in 1992 of AIDS. Mm. Um, but so he goes back to the Robin Hood place, uh, for summer. And then he comes back and, when he comes back, they de- decide to reassign him at a fraternity. And, and so he has a huge crush on one of the guys in the fraternity. And uh, he he loves uh, this guy. And they eventually actually become roommates. I, I don't think anything romantic really happens. Roommates. Uh, with it. But this is when we he actually starts to do some of the Hollywood stuff. So while attending college, he hitchhikes. <laughs> to is he Cal- hitchhiking to- or is he hitchhiking? To California. Okay. And on so, the way, just picking up a little dick here and there. He, he just wants to be discovered. Yeah. So he's just hanging out in front of all the studios <laughs> being like, discover me, discover Meanwhile, me. Meanwhile, his dad's on Perkins and he's been like in theater work already, had theater work, you know, working. Like call a freaking agent, man. Call Henry Wilson. <laughs> well, he, he, he actually knows somebody over there. Yeah. But he's trying to like get in good. And he gets like two seconds of like the back of his head or something. Um, and they finally bring him on and then they cast him, uh, for a movie that's eventually called the actress. Yeah. And the movie doesn't do very well, but a lot of people say that this is one of his best performances. Um, and then he goes back to college and then when he leaves college, he moves to New York, uh, moves in with a Helen Merrill. This is one of, this is the old lady that he's living with, right? Yes. He like, this is a weird one. This is a weird relationship. It's a weird relationship, but she was also like letting other performers stay with her. So it wasn't like, but like it's one of those weird, like controlling older women things. Yes, it like is. He, it is. It's, it's going back to that pattern and him also vying for her attention all the time because what he wants more than anything else is kind of like a, a confirmation of like, of, of, of like motherly love Yeah, because his mother, well, uh, you didn't mention, are you going to, yeah, I, his I, mother I, I sexually has, uh, abused him growing up his mother was sexually abusive to him oh i didn't know that yes. actually i did not know that um I'll which is check. probably I'll why double check and i'll cut it out if it's not yeah it's it not pro- right it's but. probably why they were too close but um what i did know is that the mother uh never gave him compliments or anything and only criticized him all the time yeah and all he wanted was you know to have like a good job you know from his mother um but he 
got he replaced John Kerr, who was going to Hollywood <laughs> to, uh, on on Broadway in a, a play, a theater uh, Broadway of Tea and Sympathy. Um, it is so the plot of this is a sissy who is fixed by the love of the right woman. <laughs> What a role for Anthony Perkins' life, too, man, right? Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think about that. That's so that, that weird. Is true. We'll get into it. But that, oh, our irony. Um, it, it, and it's, it, he does super well. Yeah. Uh, people love his performances. Uh, T and Sympathy is doing uh, really good. And I think that he could probably also draw from a lot of his own experiences yeah. uh, to be able to uh, play that character. But the other interesting thing and very traumatic thing that happened to him during this time was he was drafted into the Korean War. Mm. So he was trying to get out of it. He couldn't figure out how to get out of it. And so he decided he to finally go and tell them that he was a practicing homosexual so that they would declare him unfit. But apparently... So nobody knows exactly what happens there. And right now his boyfriend at the time was Williamson, a man who showed up just like randomly uh, to like his dressing room, but they've been together for a while. Um, uh, So what he says, what Williamson says is he doesn't know what happened, that it was whatever happened was very harsh. um, Definitely just broke him down. And he thinks that there might've been some sexual assault Mm. um, involved with what happened and cause he comes back, he completely broke down for like hours and hours and hours and hours on the floor on end. Um, after, after this fact and it, um, it really broke him down and he only got better once he <sighs> took himself in to go and play teen sympathy. And it's yeah. funny because, uh, Williamson says that Anthony Perkins was making noises that he's never made in his life, like really bad sobbing noises but that he later integrated integrated into Teen Sympathy's performance. Mm, that's what you do, right? That's what actors do. They bring their pain to their game. He moved to California to do Friendly Persuasion, yeah, uh, where he played a Quaker. And uh, actually, Fred Whitmarsh from the Robin Theater Company helped him like hook up for this job and stuff. Friendly Persuasion is like really his like breakout here. This is this is where he starts getting recognized. Yeah, yeah. This is a big also one. Also, where he's going to meet Tab Hunter. It's where he's going to meet Tab Hunter. Ooh. Hunter. Yeah, William met uh, Tony. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was looking at his relationship. So he, he did kind of go around town a little bit, probably a little bit more than Tab. Um, he hooked up with a couple people. And or his secrets were just told more than tabs. Tab probably hooked up a bunch too, though. I don't know. Tab seemed like he was prude. Yeah, he didn't like the drinking, the liquor, the sex, or the booze. So I feel like nothing. Now we're at a point where we can talk about both of them. Ooh, let's get into the relationship, shall we? I think this is a really important relationship to talk about too, because they didn't break up really. They didn't break up really, and their lives took such different paths once they did break up, once they did kind of part, and their roads started going different ways. Um, one of them really accepted accepted mm. his sexuality. He, he lived as a gay man, and the other one really rejected it, went through conversion therapy, and it was, uh, you know. Well, and it, it's funny because I think they both have, um, gosh, what is it called? I have it. Oh gosh, help me out here. Looks repressed, almost no. Uh, repressed. You, you have um, no, no. It was internalized like homophobia. Internalized. Homophobia. Do you still have internalized homophobia? I do. Mm. 
I did, and it's something like I constantly work at trying to figure out. But yeah. I can tell by reading at least Tab Hunter's book that he does. He absolutely did. Oh, and we know that Tony Perkins did, but I think yes. Tab Hunter did as well. I think I absolutely think so. So Tab is. Tony Perkins is in Hollywood right now. He's in town shooting Friendly Persuasion, so he's staying at the Chateau Marmont. And Tab Hunt <laughs> sounds so fancy. The Chateau, the Chateau Marmont is is a fancy, famous hotel. That is where all of the celebrities go. That's where all the drugs go down. All the hookups go down. It's like all a of remake of like a French, like, uh, like a estate, castle, isn't it? Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so Tab, one day, it, this is like during the winter of 1955, and Tab is driving home. He remarks that it's like a really nice summery day. Feels like a summery day in winter. It's one of those days that makes people want to move to California. I looked at that sentence in the book, and I was like, pass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, so he's driving home from the stables one day because he was, you know, Brushing the horses, hanging out the horses. He, he just wants to take, horses. take a dip in the pool. Yeah, and so he just wants to take a dip in the pool because it's so nice outside. And so he just goes to the Chateau Marmont because it's for the celebrities, and he's a celebrity. Even though he's not staying there, he fully has his own apartment. He's not staying at the Chateau Marmont. They just let him in because he's a star, and that's where the stars go to hang out. Um, so he goes, and he's swimming, and somebody comes up to him and introduces him to Tony Perkins. This is how Tab describes Tony when he first meets him. Tony was tall and skinny, wearing a button-down Brooks Brothers shirt and aviator-style reading glasses. He looked like a gawky New England prep school student who had taken the wrong turn into this hipster's hideout. Like, that's a very specific description. Very specific, yeah. Uh, but they, so, like, Tab really says that what drew him into Tony was that Tony was really shy and not so, his personality wasn't very loud, you know, and like most actors he'd met, and actresses, everybody in Hollywood, their personalities were so loud, and they were like really like out there go getters, you know. Like, um, and Tony was a little bit withdrawn, and which I completely agree with because, like, uh, on on the other side, when I was reading about like uh, Anthony Perkins, is he's described as shy a lot. Yeah, I do think he was shy. Step back. I think that Tony Perkins was really shy, really anxious, really just like. Nervous. Overthinking, nervous. I think that's just how he was. And that kind of drew Tab in. Tab was kind of attracted to those types. <laughs> he does talk about it in here. He's like, because of my door opening good looks. Um, I know. I, I saw <laughs> that. I was like, okay. <laughs> He's like, people wouldn't expect it, but I also am a little bit shy. Which, I mean, you can be like nah, open but shy. But the, the, uh, there are two ways that Anthony Perkins wasn't shy. Mm. One is when he wanted to get ahead. Yeah. He was super competitive. Mm. Um, and two, uh, when he was on stage. Yeah. Or acting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Tab's 24 here, and uh, Tony Perkins is 23. So they're both really young, and they kind of talk for a little bit at the pool, and then once Tony's a little bit more comfortable with Tab, he invites him back to his room because he's staying mm. at the Chateau Marmont while he films uh, Friendly Persuasion. And they go back to his room, and like I immediately I'm thinking before I even read it, I'm like, oh. They say that what they, they talk about movies. They said they said they and talk. Stuff. It's all talking. That's all they were doing. But let's be honest, that's what we did the first time we sat in a hotel. It is room. true. We, we we spent our first night in a hotel room together. But it says they, they, they. I wonder, did they talk about the meeting in the Tony Perkins book? Yes. Did they? How did, is it described? Pretty. It's much more brief. Way? It's it really just says, uh, and this is also where he met Tab Hunter. Oh. And then later on, it, okay. it goes more into Tab Hunter. 
So I do wonder about the differences between these two books. But they go back to Tony Perkins' hotel room, and they pretty much just talk, right? They talk about everything from movies to their personal lives, and they kind of just connect. And it's they spend you know the whole day just talking and, and flirting. Yeah, and, and I can just imagine, like, the, yeah. like when you initially meet somebody, like when you and I like initially met, it was just like all butterflies. All the talking, the the, the, the whole talking stage was butterflies too, you know. And this is the first day they're meeting. This is the first afternoon, and you know they talk about their lives, and they really do have. Have a whole lot of things in common you know they both grew up with mothers because they're they were pretty much fatherless um mm-hmm. they i you know they they were both they both had a fair bit of trauma growing up as well with the sexual abuse and i wonder if they ever discussed that because it is the 50s and so i wonder if that was something that was never that they never shared together what's well, also, also interesting especially back then like where you didn't really separate sexual abuse mm. or you don't you weren't really able to recognize it because it wasn't talked about. It. Yeah. Sexual abuse wasn't was it was still super taboo. So there were no conversations going on about that. But um, they they just spend the afternoon together and they talk. And I wonder if they hook up. I'm very curious to know that honestly. Well, if they didn't but, hook up that first night, which they probably did, <laughs> I feel um, like they hooked up pretty quick. They had to. Have. But it's pretty much from here that their relationship starts, and the relationship goes on for like two to four years. You know, it's, it goes on for a couple years. Um, it's and, nice because in the book you get like a lot of photos. Ah, there are them. a lot of photos. And they're really cute photos too. Like there's photos and tab in tab's book. He has little, you know, little labels under each of the photos. And there's a couple photos that say, this is a photo I took of Tony. And it's like Tony laying in bed, you know, naked. And it's like so sweet. Right. Well, it's it's them also like going out and then uh, going on on double dates and stuff like that. And then they went to, they participated in a game show together. (laughs) You're getting way ahead of your Sorry. I'm not getting very excited. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Tad, the way Tab does describe Tony in his book though, there's a little bit of bitterness. It seems like there that's there. It seems yes. like there are some lingering feelings. I don't know. And this book came out in 2006. He doesn't frame him in the best light. Not in the best light at all. Yeah. Um, Tab immediately states in his book that Tony is ambitious with his career and that nothing could come between him and his career. Um, so it sounds like a little bit of shade there. And it's setting, you know, it's sowing seeds for the, for the future. Uh, Tab is really the product of Hollywood, right? Whereas Tony is the product of New York City and Tab really uh, respects that about Tony and really likes that about Tony. Tab has this like Marilyn Monroe thing, I think, in that Marilyn Monroe really wanted to be a respected actress and like did everything she could to. She even went like to New York to study acting in New York under the, the Straw School of Acting and, and like the actor studio and really tried to form an, a, a genuine acting career with substance. And it feels like tab, this is what tab wanted as well. And so when those types of people are seeing people like Tony, they really are like marveling at this, this character type that is a serious actor and comes off like a serious yes. actor, you know, because Anthony per- Perkins is an actor. <laughs> and tab Hunter is that sexy guy from the movie. Yeah, he's eye candy, and, and that's how he's displayed a lot. That, that's, yeah. that's one of the labels that's always put on him, is, and, that's, it, and he's always on girls' walls and all that stuff, and yeah. it's, that's what I he is. I get it, I get it, you know. Which I think he is, likes and does, doesn't like, you know? I think it was very, yeah. yeah. Where, where he, like, loves 
that people love him. I think it, but he, I think he yeah. enjoyed it to a certain point, and then when he wasn't getting any respect, and he's really putting work into these things, and when he wasn't getting respect, it really weighed on him, and he started to dislike that sort of image, especially as he's getting older, you know, as he's creeping up to 30 and not really the teen heartthrob anymore, you know? Um, so Tad's pretty much established in Hollywood by now. Tony's just the new kid in town, you know? Um, friendly persuasion isn't really out yet, and mm-hmm. so... He is just this new kid in town. There's a lot of buzz about Tony, but nobody's actually seen his performance at the movie. And that actually leads to his, uh, just the buzz from Friendly Persuasion leads to Tony getting, is it a five-year contract with Paramount? They sign him They sign him to a studio system as well. Like yes. Five-year contract with, with Paramount. Because he's yeah. with Paramount, Tony's with Warner. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because Paramount was at a weird place at this point. Because James Dean has ju- ju- just passed. So they were looking at Tony Perkins to be the next oh, James Dean. Yes. They were really trying they, to push They, they wanted him to fill out all those shoes, all, yes, all the roles he, he was going to play. Again, Tab Hunter is like all-American boy looks, you know, blue blonde hair, blue eyes. And, and Tony Perkins has that dark and brooding, like, kind of aura about him that James Dean had. And they're trying to, they, well, they're trying it, to recapture that sort it's of life. interesting because James Dean has a very dark and brooding look, but... Uh, Anthony Perkins has that, but he has a very cerebral yes. way of doing things. So t- uh, Tony moves to Hollywood, right? Because that's where you got to be. That's where you got to be. You get you sign this contract, you got to be there. Unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> uh, he moves to California, and he gets a place that's only a couple blocks away from Tab. I'm thinking about this, and it makes me it gives me butterflies. You know? <laughs> he moved because it's this secret like gay romance, you know. Um, and he he has this. He gets an apartment a couple blocks from Tony from tab but he's pretty much at tab's house every night you know he lives at tab's house basically he just has his own place um and he is there so often he even buys a ping pong table for them to enjoy while he's over at tab's place because they both love ping pong so they just sit out in the evenings it's funny because they don't drink or smoke and they're just playing ping pong in the the warm (laughs) evenings they're just out playing ping pong and 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 discussing life talking about their careers and everything they want to do with their careers you know they're really probably their future like how 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 does that look i wonder in the 1950s? if they talk about a future though like do yeah. does does a couple like this in the 19 in 1955 talk about or their do they future avoid together it? or yeah or are these conversations that they don't have um but tab's landlord <laughs> So Tab's landlord likes to joke around and poke fun at all of the tenants and their guests. And so he sees Tony coming around all the time and he starts making jokes towards Tony. And Tony is pissed. Tony does not like it because Tony's a little bit uptight. Tony's a little bit rigid. And the tenant or the landlord is pretty much making jokes about, oh, um, he calls him Ma Perkins. He says that he's like so uptight that he's like he's like a mother, like Ma Perkins. And so every time Tony, <laughs> Tony fucking hates this, by the way. Tony, this is, Tab says that this is the only guy that can really get under Tony's skin. And so Tony, whenever he's at Tab's place or going to Tab's place, he's always looking around corners or looking through the blinds to make sure the landlord's not there. He's like sneaking around. Um <laughs> this landlord and making jokes and I feel so bad you know because he'd been bullied basically his whole life he doesn't want to be bullied anymore you also, know also what a shitty landlord yeah I, I think because I'm, I'm sorry but I feel like you need to stay away from like the business of yeah. your tenants if you're a landlord you need to let them have their privacy. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just that because Tony was bullied for so long. But, like, so Tony also is a New Yorker, remember? So he doesn't know how to drive. No New Yorker knows how to drive, you know. I see cars everywhere, but apparently nobody there knows how to drive. 
So make that make sense for me because I don't get it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's true. I've, I've met a lot of people who don't know how to drive. But Tony doesn't know how to drive. I guess who teaches them how to drive? Tab. Tab yes. teaches Tony how to drive. And he says that Tony learns pretty quickly. And then once Tony learns how to drive and gets his license, he goes out and gets a baby blue Thunderbird because all of the young actors at this time have Thunderbirds. All of their friends have the same car, <laughs> just in different colors. So Tab has a black Thunderbird. Their friend Lori has a yellow one. Natalie Wood has a pink one. And now Anthony Perkins has a baby blue Thunderbird. I love so it. They're, they're probably all like went out on the town. <laughs> it reminds me of Nana That's what I think of in my head is they're just there. They're all just hanging out not gonna lie i kind of want a thunderbird now i don't care about thunderbirds um tony doesn't really have any friends here though you know his whole new york crowd the theater crowd is back in new york city and so he doesn't really have anybody to hear so tab takes him into his sort of group um and because they're both which is like the new it's a young up-and-coming actors really yeah it's all the young and -and up-and-coming actors it's dick clayton who tab's been friends with forever another dick uh, Venetia oh, yeah, Stevenson, who's like a director's daughter. It's uh, Lori Nelson. You know, they even hang out with Natalie Wood a little bit. And it, it, it seems like it's all women because I guess Tab and Tony both are just more comfortable with women. Well, and you need a beard. You do need a beard. We're getting to it. We're getting to it. Yeah. I mean, side note, they also used to hang out with Tuesday Weld when she was 14. And they would all make jokes about how mature she was and she's and then she would take out her flippers and reveal her baby teeth and be like i'm real mature aren't i but like this i'm just picturing this 14 year old almost like drew barrymore sitting there with like getting drunk with all these young hollywood actors <laughs> it's fucking it's fucked up it's fucked up um but obviously like tab and tony are having to keep their relationship secret you know there's only a few friends who really know about their relationship a few of their close friends and that one of those is venetia because Tony becomes really close to Venetia, right? Um, she was already friends with Tab. She was she was one of Tab's good friends, yeah. But um, Tony took a real liking to Venetia, and Venetia's supposed to be like one of the most gorgeous women who's being photographed at this time, right? You look her up, and she's she is gorgeous. Um, but Tab, <laughs> Tony basically like goes over to Venetia's house all the time to complain about Tab, and it's just like this this. <laughs> This, 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 uh, this, it's, it's like he's just bitching about his boyfriend. It's like so normal, right? You're just bitching about your significant other and how, how, you know, if you get mad at them or if you have a little tiff, you go over to your girlfriend's house and you just, just, just talk about it. And, and that's what she was. She was like his girlfriend, you know, like, yeah. Uh, and, and it's funny because if you watch the actual documentary, Venetia is in the documentary. Yeah. It's like, I guess I was a beard, but I didn't mind it. She was, she was, she was their beard. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. She was definitely their beard also. And she, 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 it looked like they had fun together. Venetia says that tab because tab wouldn't really talk about the relationship that, or that he was gay, that nobody ever would break it up. And if anybody, if anybody even alluded to tab and Tony being together, the tab would kind of fly off the handle and get really upset. Um, that they had a lot of fights, him and Tony, they about did. this. They did have a lot of fights about this. Which yeah. is interesting because I feel like Tony, it's funny because Tony eventually obviously got married, but I feel like at some point he would be more open to have just like I feel like if he had out. just one stable, really good relationship that it might have been, I don't know, I feel like both of I don't know though. You know, I say that, that maybe that would have been the thing that would have kept them together, but Probably not. It's just the time. You got to think of the time and all the factors around it. Um, so Tab tries to make it sound in this book like Tony's the paranoid one. And he's always worried about, you know, always looking over his shoulder and want, worried about them getting caught. But 
I think they both were, you know, they yeah. both must have been really paranoid about getting caught because I know Tab was super paranoid after that confidential magazine article came out about him. Um, and, you know, they probably were both just really frustrated. They had to be so secretive, you know, I don't know. It's sad. Um, well, it's frustrating in a lot of ways, especially I think for like at the start of that, those kind of relationships, it's kind of hard to be secret. It is. There's something. Mm. There's something. I've had. There's I've had plenty thing, of yeah. little flings with yeah. uh, quote unquote straight guys, um, who were telling me they were gay, but that they would never come out and stuff like that. And the secretive part was always a little bit exciting, you know. Except when it. it gets old. And when it gets old, and when the sneaking around and all of that is just like so exhausting and, and creates too much drama. The drama just yeah, it's not worth it. So, so one of the things that Tony does because he's so paranoid by getting caught is he always wants them to arrive at different times and in different cars at wherever they go. Um, and Tabs like gets really frustrated about this, but Venetia again is the beard. So sometimes she will accompany them be <laughs> Tabs date. Uh, so nobody suspects anything. She's like perfectly fine with that. She loves it. She loves being a fag act too. Tab and Tony are sometimes able to go out together alone. Like they both really enjoy jazz. And so they go out to these jazz clubs in California. Called, uh, there's one called crescendo and they'll go there. And if it's not too busy, they'll go there by themselves and they'll just be together, you know? But if there's, if it's a little more crowded, then they make sure they have a group with them or a couple of girls with them to be their beards or like they're not, they're just not there by themselves. But at the end of the night, they drop everybody off and they go, they go home to tabs at it. Which is so interesting because then it creates a dilemma where like, you can't even just go out with your guy friends. Yeah. You know, you can't just do that. And the, they are the guy friends. They are, you're my guy friend. Well, okay? well you know what I mean? You, you know, are like, my bang buddy. You are my <laughs> husband, up. my boyfriend, my secret lover, and my guy friend. Excuse me. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> we are roommates. I am Please completely don't straight. In Confidential Magazine. I have been dating a woman. It just sounds like they have this really young, cute love, you know? And it works sometimes, but then there's other times that it's really stressful because they just don't want to get caught. You know, they're always thinking about getting caught, and they are worried about having stories written about them. And, you know, Tony is a new actor, so he's, like, definitely, and just landed he's this. He's so worried about his career. Really worried he's about his career. super career-oriented. Yes. And um, one thing that really weighs on Tony is the studio. So Warner Brothers doesn't really give a shit if Tab is gay. They don't really talk to him about it. When the Confidential Magazine article came out, the head of Warner Brothers basically told Tab, they were on the red carpet and somebody asked him a question about it and he basically told Tab, you know, it's today's headline, tomorrow's trash, right? Or tomorrow's yeah. toilet paper. Um, that's not how it is over at Paramount. The head of Paramount basically is hounding Tony about his sexuality. He's always berating him about his sexuality, calling him to his office, yelling at him, saying, you can't be with Tab. You can't. Uh, you need to stop seeing Tab. This is going to be horrible for your career. You need to go and find a girl. You need to do this. You need to do that. Like The studios are also really notorious for setting these guys up on dates and, oh, and yeah. little photo opportunities so they'll pair them with other actresses and their stable of actors to go out and you know be photographed and tony's always being photographed with all these girls you know they're really setting him up to be this eligible bachelor this teen heartthrob you know just like tab is and you know it really weighs on tony because he doesn't like this whole spectacle of the acting thing he just wants to be an actor you know and there's one argument he has with the with the president of of uh, Paramount, and he's like really berating him, and, and Tony stands up and says, 
I love him. And then like leaves. I know. Oh my goodness. goodness. I need a movie. (laughs) I love him and just leaves. And, and like the president of Paramount is just speechless because he just said that because I'm guessing these conversations were like yelling at each other and talking to each other about this specific subject without saying that specific subject. You know how those things kind of go. It's like talking around. It's more awkward to say what you're talking about, but you're, you're just dancing around the subject. Um, and he, Tony fucking, you know, I feel like the, he had moments where he just wanted to be himself. Tony would thrive today, right? I, oh, I he feel would, like yeah. he just, he was just in the wrong time, I think. Um, and there's a lot of stresses on their relationship from here on out, be just, just because of their careers, you know? Well, I always hesitate to say that they're in the wrong time. I think the time was just wrong for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. I really love them. <laughs> I want a movie with them so bad. I I, I need like a, a show, a At really like a, well-made one. Not Ryan Murphy. Don't let him near it. Because um, <laughs> he will set it up very well, he will, but he will fumble cast, the ending. He'll cast the right people. He'll get the right <laughs> cinematographer, and then he will send them to space or something. Right? <laughs> <I know. laughs> but it's just a sweet story. And I love their relationship. I love Tab and Tony and they, we're going to get into it next time in part two, but they get, they get into a lot of heated discussions. They really are like I know. kind of a turbulent, they do have kind of a turbulent relationship and then their lives when they kind of split off and go separate ways, you know, they, their lives go and very, they very just end different. up in very different places. Very different at the end of life, right? And it, it, it's interesting. It's it, it's interesting to think how they would have been portrayed yeah. nowadays, like it, if they were actors nowadays. And it's also interesting to think of who are their modern equivalents. Who would? Oh my gosh! So who would? This is what I was thinking. Is like I'm trying to think of Tab Hunter. They they really described Tab Hunter as like this ultra successful Hollywood guy. Hollywood actor, and I'm trying to think, but I'm thinking and musician. I'm not seeing him as like a Leonardo DiCaprio, though. I'm no. seeing him more as like a Channing Tatum, maybe. Yes, maybe like a super Channing popular. Tatum. Probably makes a lot of money, um, gets the best roles, or not the best roles, but like gets the popular roles that are going to bring in box office books because he was a box office draw, you know. Yes. But he wasn't getting the roles that well, were like super he, meaty. He, that he's he he's somebody that 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 his draw is what he looks like physically. Yeah. Right, and aren't, oh gosh, what's his name? He's in uh, oh gosh, that movie, the the boys I kissed a lot, the boys I I dated a bunch. What? <laughs> to all the boys I loved before. Yes, that one. Like a Noah Centineo. Yes, he's kind of like Tab a Noah Hunter. Cent- no, no, but girls crush I, hard over him. I see it as more of a Channing Tatum. I would say he's more of a Channing Tatum. And then I don't know who Anthony Perkins would be today, but I I've seen a lot of fan casting about this sort of project because there was a project. Um, back when the documentary was made and put out, I know there was a project um, in the works between about Tony and Taz's relationship, and a lot of people were fan casting uh, Andrew Garfield as, as I think he'd be Tony perfect. Perkins. I think so too, honestly. I think I bet, it would work. I think he would be absolutely perfect. I, I don't know who would be Tab Hunter, mm. but I think that he would the be perfect. The search continues. I guess that's a good question for the audience, yeah. Yeah, who, who would y'all who would you guys cast? cast as Tab Hunter? Let's let's do two questions. Who do you think their modern equivalents are in terms of actors? Tab Hunter and um, Anthony Perkins, and then who would you fan cast Tab as Tab Hunter and as Anthony Perkins? Let I'm us know in the comments. Send us an email. Become part of the discussion. Go on the Instagram page. Leave us a, leave us a comment on there, maybe. Yes, um, and we'll bring you guys' opinions into the into the part two. But we will deliver you part two next Monday. Well, I'm excited to get more time to actually talk about it. Again, I so. think the the subjects in it are worth 
the time to talk about it, especially the conversion therapy stuff with Anthony Perkins. I think we need to give that its own sort of little section. Um, but we hope you guys have enjoyed this episode of Coffee and Tequila, the morning show. We will see you on Friday for the late show. Make sure to rate us on Apple, Spotify, anywhere else you can rate us, like us, watch us, comment on YouTube, and make sure to share. We are also on Instagram now. We are. And we post really fun stories. <laughs> Alistair has been having a grand time with Instagram. He's been primarily doing it all. Um, Coffee and Tequila show on Instagram. And we, yeah, all of that stuff is in the description box below. And we will see you on Friday. Have an excellent day.